Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Time for some keto shows. Time for some keto shows. How is it going? How's it going? Uh, are you progressing towards your goals of metabolic flexibility? Are you stressing about anything along the way? We're facing that big problem these days with dietary transformation where people go a little bit overboard, get stressed, uh, reduce their enjoyment of life due to their dietary restrictions. And what we want this to be is a blissful, graceful journey in the direction of improved health, greater metabolic flexibility. That means becoming expert at burning a variety of fuel sources, particularly stored body fat and manufacturing ketones as needed to fuel your energy needs, especially in your brain that were otherwise fulfilled by dietary carbohydrate, regular doses of dietary carbohydrate. So we want to get off that carbohydrate dependency train and progress steadily in the direction of fat and keto adaptation. So generally speaking, when it comes to goal setting and life improvement, it's okay to make step-by-step progress at a comfortable pace. Don't overwhelm yourself and all those great insights. But when it comes to dietary transformation and the disastrous state of the modern food supply, the marketing messaging, the cultural momentum toward celebrating life with sugar and sweetened beverages and a Starbucks on every corner and a birthday party every week on the calendar. Uh, it's more essential to take a extremely devoted approach to dietary transformation where you make a commitment to ditch grains, sugars, and refined vegetable oils and keep the commitment no matter what such that there are no decision-making uh, fatigue or willpower necessary. You just don't eat it. Brian, the guy who is mastering these recordings, has a simple approach where uh, to get started and to build momentum, he recommends people just eat the same damn thing every day for a few weeks. No, your life's not going to end. You're not going to get disowned by friends and family. In fact, it's going to make life simpler. <laughs> One of the main reasons I like fasting in the morning is that I don't have to take the time or the trouble to go prepare food. I can get right into work or fitness activities or whatever. So we want to simplify things, eliminate that decision fatigue. And if you're having any struggle whatsoever with transitioning over to keto, just pick some of your favorite meals and eat them every single day. You know that that you'll have your macros dialed, right? Because you know exactly what you're eating. You can input one meal plan into the uh, the app. What's it called? Zenza or uh, MyFitnessPal, ways that can calculate that indeed you're hitting the keto guideline of under 50 grams per day of gross carbohydrate intake. You're dialing in your protein at 0.7 grams per pound of lean mass, and you're using fat as a lever to obtain total dietary satisfaction every day, no struggling and suffering. And then you go on your merry way. And after you've built some momentum, after three weeks, six weeks, three months, whatever, then you can start uh, looking beyond the delicious morning omelet into other creative breakfast ideas, maybe pick up a cookbook. Brian and I are working on one right now. You know what it's called? Quick 
keto cooking for cool and lazy dudes. Go look at Brian's Instagram at whole dudes. W-H-O-L-E-D-O-O-D-S. You see the distinctive green logo that he created back in 1994 before the market chain sprouted up. Uh, But these meals are delicious. They're simple. They're colorful. They're all keto aligned, everything out there. And it makes it so fun and creative and flexible once you make that progress to where Your diet is comprised of foods that nourish the human and do not have immediately offensive health consequences. So you've ditched grain, sugars, refined vegetable oils, and you're sticking to the ancestral style pattern of meat, fish, fowl, eggs, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds, and dialing it in a little bit so that you're not exceeding that carbohydrate threshold and you're prompting your uh, liver to make some ketones for you as needed. Uh, When it comes to that, I have some prepared material here to talk about some of the the foods we want to get some more awareness and education about when you're trying to watch that carb count on keto. We've probably talked enough about putting on the sidelines for a moment the otherwise healthy, colorful, nutrient-dense carbohydrates that can make a great contribution Uh, to a healthy diet, namely fruit and the starchy vegetables, the tubers like sweet potatoes. Hard to object too strongly to having those as a fundamental element of the diet, but when you're trying to go keto, uh, you're going to exceed your carb count if you feature those foods. And another thing about fruit, fruit's great, it's wonderful, but guess what? Look at our world today. We are consuming these overly cultivated, manipulated fruits so that they uh, grow really sweet and really large, much more so than a wild counterpart of today's berry or other fruit that you can think of an example of. So that's a little bit objectionable because really the ancestral example is to consume wild fruits, which were much more fibrous and less sweet than today's cultivated fruits. The second major objection to fruit is the year-round availability, particularly of these high glycemic, low antioxidant value fruits uh, in the tropical family like pineapples, mangoes, papayas. They're delicious. Uh, If you're down uh, near the equator and you're walking uh, 5 to 7 to 12 miles a day like our equatorial ancestors did, yeah, go ahead, pound the papaya all day long. But when you're going to the big box store in January and filling up your basket with a bunch of pineapples and gigantic blackberries or blueberries, you are in a pretty significant conflict against your genetic expectations for health. So the human is accustomed to eating fruit during their narrow ripening seasons. So today what we can strive to do is kind of stay local with our objectives. So you go down to the farmer's market, and if you're in the Pacific Northwest like Brian and many other fine folks, Oh my gosh, go down there in the summer, incredible berries, other kinds of fruits. You got your Washington apples, they're falling off the tree in a basket brought over there on Saturday morning. Go ahead, enjoy. Even if you're a keto person, sure, because guess what? The ripening window is very narrow, and in the wintertime, we are very likely to be benefiting from a zero fruit intake for most of us, 
that would enable a, a good opportunity to go into a strict keto experiment for six weeks, maybe balance that with a summer of more liberal carbohydrate intake. Uh, but we talk about the, uh, the annual six-week uh, keto experience in the keto reset diet is sort of a, uh, a reset opportunity where you can go every winter and really take care of business for six weeks, restrict those carbs, don't eat any fruit, uh, tone down all the other uh, places where you get carb intake and get into ketosis reliably. Uh, summertime, seasonal fruit, go for it. So that's my commentary on fruit. And then we'll go into a few of these other categories uh, where you might want to pay a little more attention to. And one of them is dark chocolate. <gasps> oh no, I have to stop. No, you don't have to stop, but you can respect that uh, even at the high percentage, you're making a bit of a chip away contribution to that 50 gram limit when you're trying to uh, maintain a strict ketogenic eating period. So what you want to do is work toward the higher percentage cacao content. I wouldn't go anything below 75%. So if you're just getting started uh, into this ancestral thing, into this keto thing, uh, you want to jump from whatever crappy milk chocolate you've been consuming up to minimum 75% and start putting your eye on uh, the 85 to 90% category. Habituate up to less sweet, uh, more cacao content, more health benefits, more antioxidants, more flavanols, and less sugar. In fact, that is where the percentage is derived from, is the percentage of sugar reducing down from if we're starting with a 100% bar of pure cacao, right? Okay, so if you can get into the groove with an 85 or 90% bar, or excuse me, my favorite from Oregon, my current favorite, I think it'll be there for a long time because it's pretty fantastic, is Lily Bill Farms Dark Star 80% Bar. Um, I'm used to consuming 85 to 90% zone, but this bar is so delicious, homemade, made with love from the small company there in Central Point, Oregon. Uh, so I don't mind uh, consuming the 80% there uh, as, my, as my chosen bar. Uh, but if you want to enjoy dark chocolate as a snack or a treat, um, try to find the highest quality product. There's a designation called bean to bar on your chocolate. And that indicates that the manufacturer got the original source beans. They know who the farmer was. They know where the source was. It's not uh, spoiled or watered down where most of the bars, you look on the back and it'll have other ingredients besides cacao beans as the first ingredient. So you want a bean to bar designation on your chocolate. Look at the ingredient list. The first ingredient is cacao beans. They started with the beans. Then they did the roasting and the processing and adding some sugar, adding whatever else the vanilla flavor uh, to make the finished product. But unfortunately, what you find in the marketplace are these watered-down products where they're uh, purchasing commodities of, uh, the terms might be cocoa mass, chocolate liqueur, chocolate, uh, whatever they say on the label, and that means they jumped into the process midway, bought this inexpensive product in a big barrel. Who knows where the beans came from? And in fact, when you get a low price point, you can be almost certain that your bar came from child labor countries or unregulated working conditions for the farmers. So if you care about your <laughs> green living contribution to the planet, get bean to bar and also fair trade designation. There's so much labor abuse in the uh, 
uh, cocoa belt uh, along the equator, the equatorial countries of Africa and Central and South America. I know, I know. One of my favorite bars, because it actually does taste great, is the old Trader Joe's 85% dark chocolate lover's dark chocolate. For $1.59, you get three and a half ounces. And guess what? You can almost guarantee that they cut corners to economize and bring you a very, very inexpensive bar. A quality bar, like the Lily Bill Farms, we're talking a two and a half ounce bar, kind of a smaller uh, than the uh, template size for eight bucks. Uh, Thomas Keller, the famous restaurateur in Napa, California, uh, makes a bar called K&M, Keller and Monty, with olive oil infused. It's absolutely fabulous. I think it's 14 bucks for a two and a half or three ounce bar. So when you're getting good chocolate, you're paying a premium, uh, you got to be a chocolate snob. It's as simple as that. Uh, I'm not going to be a wine snob because I don't drink, but man, I am diving deep into this. You can listen to my show with Terea Rodriguez, chocolate expert and alternative health expert on the Get Over Yourself podcast channel. So jump over there and listen to some of the cool shows. We're broadening the topics outside of diet, especially because living a stress-balanced, healthy, happy lifestyle does have a lot to do with your metabolic flexibility. So if you're overly stressed, you're not sleeping enough, uh, you're involved in toxic relationships or otherwise draining your energy and your hormones. I talked to the great relationship author, John Gray, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, a fantastic show about just getting your relationship dynamics optimized and your hormone balance optimized so that things like dietary transformation are easy and fun. Yeah. Okay. So watch out for those uh, bars, especially when you go into a premium grocer, dudes, uh, you'll find some expensive, fancy-looking stuff that's still coming from uh, commodity ingredients. So look on the label. If we see cocoa mass, cocoa solids, chocolate liqueur, organic chocolate, cocoa powder, and terms like that as the lead ingredient on the label, you want to run screaming and go direct ordering to some of the quality chocolate makers on the planet. Uh, let's see. I think I put a post up, too, on bradkearns.com about discriminating uh, with your dark chocolate consumption. So more written details there. Okay, so the carb count on your dark chocolate habit, if you're like me and like to consume a significant amount, you may be getting anywhere from 10, 15, uh, at the extreme case, 20 grams per day of carbohydrate intake. In fact, the Trader Joe's bar, the three and a half ounce bar was 34 grams of carbohydrates. I would hard to imagine someone wolfing down an entire bar every single day, but let's say you eat half of that bar, which is a pretty good serving. Um, That's, you know, 17 grams of carbs. So that's a third of your daily allotment. And I will admit uh, many times when I'm uh, in the keto zone, uh, I am giving up a third of my daily allotment to dark chocolate because I love it. And I might even dip it in some almond butter where I get a few more grams of carbs. But again, I don't know about this hard and fast rule of 50 grams. I think that's a good thing to shoot for. But there's so many other variables, particularly your athletic exercise energy output. Uh, Sammy Inkinen the prominent endurance athlete. He won a world title in his age group in uh, half Ironman distance. He has a wonderful blog post about when he did this um, six-day, I think, 
mountain bike stage race. So grueling mountain bike racing uh, over hilly terrain, high heart rate, really grinding himself and going for hours every single day back to back in the stage race. And he chronicled his carbohydrate intake, measured his blood ketone values, and he was deep, deep into ketosis, uh, even though he was eating up around 200 grams of carbohydrates a day, so four times the usual daily allotment due to his exercise output. Dr. Kate Shanahan talks about this in the Keto Reset Diet. She says, quote, as long as the glycogen suitcases are open, whatever carbohydrates you ingest are going right into the glycogen suitcases. So if you go deplete glycogen at your CrossFit workout or your uh, endurance workout. And again, we don't want to get into chronic training patterns when we're trying to go keto. That's just not going to work. But if you do a sensible, uh, brief high intensity session or a sensible aerobic session where you're jogging or whatever fitness level you're at to make sure you stay under the aerobic heart rate 180 minus your age, and then you go consume uh, a bowl of fruit, you're going to be okay probably. Also, what's really trippy to me is during that period of time where I was maintaining strict nutritional ketosis, uh, I was going to uh, say that it was about 140 days straight when I was working on the book with Mark and we were testing our blood values every day and texting back and forth, getting scar tissue on our fingertips because we're pricking them so often. Uh, what I found often was that even though I was strictly adhering to the keto guidelines, for example, coming off an extended fast and the previous meal to the fast was uh, a steak dinner with some vegetables and a few squares of dark chocolate. Uh, so I'm looking at, you know, maybe 24 hours, maybe even longer, where I haven't had an appreciable amount of carbs to knock me out of ketosis, but I'd test my blood and my value was 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.6, 0 0.4. And I'd be like, man, what's going on here? What does a guy got to do to put up some numbers? It was wild. But with further understanding, uh, especially Dr. Kate Shanahan uh, terming this the ketone flux, what was happening is I was making just the level of ketones I needed to fuel my energy requirements at that time. So maybe I was good at making ketones and also good at burning them. We know that the amateurs, the rookies, uh, going on the internet doing a five-day keto blast, uh, having no metabolic flexibility to start with, and then they get their little strips and pee on them and they turn them dark red and they can congratulate themselves. That's just an example of excreting ketones that you're not good at burning yet. So whatever your blood value is or whether you darken the urine strip, uh, you're distancing from the actual goal of achieving metabolic flexibility. So uh, in contrast, here we are a couple years later now where I've built up more and more momentum uh, with my metabolic flexibility and my fat and keto adaptation, I have had several occasions, I think I put some of them on my Instagram, where just for fun, I pricked my finger after a pretty good fast, let's say an 18-hour uh, fasting period, and I'll be up at 0 0.7, 0 0.9, even though the previous day, I might have even had a popcorn binge or eaten a bunch of sweet potato discs or eaten carbohydrates well outside of the keto zone and then still able to get right back in to uh, relatively high numbers 
very quickly. Mark Sisson says the same thing where he might have <laughs> one time, sorry, Mark, we're trying to be authentic here on the show. One time he said, yeah, for example, if I have a chocolate mousse and some birthday cake, and then just fast for about 16 hours, I'm right back into ketosis. And I'm like, is this a hypothetical example? He goes, no, last night I had chocolate mousse and birthday cake. I'm like, holy crap, man. Okay, but that fasting will get you right back into uh, the need to manufacture ketones. And that's just an example of uh, building up some some skills, some momentum so that you can handle anything. Remember the definition, metabolic flexibility. You can burn through that chocolate mousse and birthday cake and then go right back into the fasting state. So that's kind of the ultimate goal is not to stress about it too much, but do that hard work and especially uh, the periods of fasting because we're now getting into this mindset, this mentality uh, in the keto scene that it's all about uh, shoving fat down your face. Okay, so the importance of fasting, (laughs) not necessarily having to stuff your face with fat, but the only place where that really does uh, enter into the mix is when you're trying like heck to stay aligned with your ketogenic eating goals and at risk of backsliding. That's when we're going to give you a pass or a suggestion to go ahead and drink that high-fat morning coffee or have a meal that's uh, laden with extra fat to keep you uh, at high satiety level, snacking on the macadamia nuts, that kind of thing. Oh, I guess another category besides the person at risk of backsliding uh, is if you're coming into the game with some hormone dysfunction, uh, adrenal burnout, sluggish thyroid, things like that, where you might be better served to uh, consume some fat calories in the morning uh, rather than just uh, go with no calories until uh, lunchtime. So the high-fat coffee may have a time and a place. Also, for athletes and high-calorie burners that maybe don't have the prominent goal of dropping excess body fat, uh, the uh, devoted consumption of fat might have a, a place uh, in your game. But generally speaking, we're just uh, at risk of overdoing it here. So uh, try for yourself, see what works, see what makes you feel better. Again, we don't want to struggle, suffer, fight through hunger pangs and growling stomach. So if it's the high-fat coffee that works for you uh, once in a while, maybe not every day, maybe four days a week, Whatever, figure things out, but uh, have some reasonability here rather than just the indiscriminate slamming of fat in the name of keto. I guess that's the main point we want to make here. So getting back to, we talked about watching the carb count on keto with dark chocolate. Uh, Another category is the non-dairy milks where you're making a nice nutritious green smoothie uh, with protein powder, some healthy nutritious fats like your MCT oil, uh, and then choosing a base of, of course, unsweetened almond milk, coconut milk, kefir, goat's milk, things like that. Uh, There are some incidental carbohydrate uh, in these these products. So look on the label especially because some of those are pretty sneaky and it might say something innocuous like vanilla, or there's the offering of light coconut milk, which is now emphasizing the carbohydrates instead of the high fat in a regular coconut milk. So uh, if you are really concerned uh, at hitting your numbers, maybe you can cut that milk with uh, half water when you're preparing your smoothie with 
uh, a couple cups of liquid. Uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick has a great uh, smoothie video. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, I have my Brad Kern's morning smoothie video on YouTube where I'm putting in, uh, I think it's half and half with uh, coconut milk and water. And there's a little bit of carb contribution there with uh, the leafy green vegetables, the the milk, and the green banana, right? So I'm chipping away and maybe I'm getting 10, 12, 15 grams of carbs in the morning smoothie, but it's predominantly uh, fat and protein. So good stuff. Kombucha, love that stuff, man. I love it so much. I'm a devoted uh, home manufacturer of my own kombucha. It's been the most rewarding hobby to actually grow something and nurture something in your kitchen and have it come to life and transform from the starting point of extremely black and sweet tea, right? So you start with black tea, six bags of black tea in a gallon and uh, a cup of sugar. And this transformed from sweet black tea over the next 11 to 14 days into kombucha because the SCOBY, the starter culture, they call it, uh, the symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast, the SCOBY, will actually consume the caffeine and the sugar and metabolize it and thereby fermenting the drink into kombucha, which uh, is very low sugar. Uh, there's some different stats about how much of the sugar ferments out of the kombucha. I think it went from like 12 grams of carbohydrate per cup, 12 grams of sugar, uh, down to two or three or four. And according to uh, the the great books about kombucha, the great experts, they claim that the remaining sugar uh, is very low glycemic, easy to metabolize, possibly won't even compromise your keto goals. But for whatever it's worth, you're consuming a little bit of sugar, even with a homemade kombucha. And that's why I cut it with bubbly water uh, to the tune of about two to one water to kombucha. That way I can stretch the kombucha out for a long time. But basically I guzzle this stuff all day long. I consume a lot of kombucha along with a lot of water and I credit it uh, with healing uh, a couple years of really distressing uh, gut symptoms, tracing back to a string of surgeries I had. That was three years now that I was suffering with just not feeling right in the gut. So pounding the homemade kombucha, also hitting the probiotics hard. Uh, the Primal product is really great. I'm trying for a variety too, and I have this awesome liquid one uh, called Flourish. Uh, you can find it from Integro Health, and I was guzzling that stuff. I don't know what the direction said, but <laughs> maybe maybe a, a tablespoon a day. I was probably taking four or five just straight from the bottle. Uh, but hitting that hard and keeping these habits going has really uh, righted my digestive health to the extent where I have no symptoms, and that really feels great because I've done that hard work. Uh, now, so homemade kombucha, wonderful, fantastic. Uh, but then we go to the store and we see the uh, exploding popularity of this beverage product category. And then you pick up the jar and look on the label and there's a boatload of sugar in these things because what they're doing is they're flavoring them uh, with their great grape and fabulous peach punch and whatever. Uh, they're flavoring them after the fact. So they're just dropping sugar in there. And to uh, some extent, it's highly offensive because you look on these labels and there's two servings per container, not one. So if you look at a glance and you see, oh, uh, 20 grams of carbs, oh, that's cool. Or up to 35 grams of carbs I've seen on a, uh, a 16 point ounce glass uh, bottle of kombucha. 
that's times two. So that's up there. If you're talking about, oh, sorry, that's uh, calories, not grams. But if you're talking about 70 calories of carbohydrate in a 16 ounce drink, um, that's not too far away from Gatorade, vitamin water, or even a soda. So what we want to do here is either make our own kombucha or find the rare flavor that doesn't have that much sugar. Kavita uh, is a line of sparkling probiotic drinks that you'll find right there with the kombuchas. And they have a delicious flavor called lemon cayenne. It's very strong and it only has a few grams of carbs in the entire bottle, uh, five calories per serving. So uh, that's two and a half grams in the entire bottle, a big difference from the 20 and 30 gram one. So be careful uh, if you uh, enroll in the Keto Reset Mastery course, you can find some videos uh, as part of the course where Dr. Lindsay Taylor is showing you how to make your own kombucha in your house. It's super fun. It's super easy. Um, some of the uh, videos and written material on websites make it seem more complicated than it is. So if you're an auditory learner, what's up? Listen, you make some sweet tea, okay? Put black tea and sugar together and make some badass sweet tea and then get a SCOBY from somebody, drop it in there and wait two weeks. That's it. It's simple. Um, yeah, there's some rules and guidelines to follow. You don't uh, drop the SCOBY into the tea until it's cooled down. And then you can do a really fun second fermentation. So after you uh, ferment out the kombucha for the appropriate length of time, then you can bottle it up into a smaller bottle and put a few slices of fresh ginger into the bottle or even a jalapeno pepper. I've done that. It's strong. What I usually like to do is put like lemon juice or lime juice in there. Uh, it will ferment out the sugar that's contained in the lemon and lime juice if you leave it at room temperature for a few days. And so you achieve this second fermentation and then you put it in the fridge and you drink it and it'll last for a long time just like the store-bought stuff so that's my pitch for making homemade kombucha and enrolling in the keto reset mastery course with dr lindsey taylor who gave me my first scoby oh yeah so the only thing you really need is to get hooked up with a scoby uh and the uh the starter liquid that the SCOBY lives in uh, from a friend. So if you can order a uh, one gallon size glass jar on amazon.com with the cheesecloth on top and then go find a SCOBY somewhere. And if you don't got nobody around that has a SCOBY for you, huh, I would say go into the um, natural foods market, uh, look for an employee that has dreadlocks. Just kidding. <laughs> that's That's mean. I mean, it's not mean, but it's funny. But uh, I don't know. Is it culturally uh, appropriate? No, not really. So go to an employee and say, hey, uh, I'm looking for a SCOBY. Can anyone here hook me up? And if you have that healthy, natural community, you'll probably find somebody. Put a bloody ad on Craigslist. Say, I need a SCOBY, and you'll make a new friend. Really. I mean, you know, who's going to answer that ad but someone who's super into health and healthy living? I guess another category uh, before we finish off here would be um, the world, the wonderful world, not so wonderful of keto slash paleo snacks. So you go into the store and now you can see things with a label that's wrapped, packaged, bagged, and giving the stamp of approval from the profit-seeking manufacturer, right? And so I have to say I'm not super impressed with the offerings just because they have uh, low carbohydrate content or otherwise qualify as keto or paleo, uh, we want to get 
uh, a little bit of distance and perspective away from eating things that are processed, no matter what they are. And particularly, I'm talking about the, the energy bar scene, because that's a processed, oftentimes an extruded product. That means it's made with machinery, possibly uh, heated up to high temperatures, and maybe lacking the nutritional value accordingly. Um, you know, Lara Bar, I knew her a long time ago. Now she's sold out and is big time uh, General Mills product. It's, uh, you know, mainstream distribution. Uh, her mission from the very start was to just use a few ingredients. Um, my favorite bar is the cashew date. And you look on the ingredient label, it says dates and cashews. It has way too many uh, carbohydrate calories to be considered for a keto lifestyle. But that type of strategy where you're not overproducing something, yeah, you can find some nuggets, some nice products that uh, meet that uh, requirement. But basically what I'm doing is making my own uh, keto-friendly trail mix. So I'm putting in uh, nuts, assortment of nuts, uh, coconut flakes, unsweetened coconut flakes, uh, cacao nibs, the little guys, mix that into a nice Ziploc. And uh, if the temperature's right, if the season's right, I'll put in chunks of uh, 85 to 90% dark chocolate. And there you go with a little snack bag uh, that's going to beat almost anything uh, with a label uh, in the store. So those are some categories to watch out for. Uh, as you're trying to monitor your carb intake. Obviously, we should also talk about vegetables as a welcome centerpiece to the ketogenic diet so we don't get heavily criticized by the plant-based community. Yeah, man, we want to have a plant-based ketogenic diet. Of course that'll work. So the bulk of your plate can be taken up by delicious, nutritious vegetables, especially those in the leafy green cruciferous categories, and then putting aside for a moment the high starch vegetables that are considered tubers. Those are the stuff that grows in the ground. So stuff that grows in the ground has uh, more carbohydrate density, more starch than the stuff that grows above ground. So a lot of times we categorize above ground leafy green or cruciferous vegetables as opposed to, uh, let's see, carrots, sweet potatoes, uh, uh, beets, those things that grow in the ground with more starch. And if you can kind of align that way, you're looking pretty good. Uh, on the Keto Reset Mastery course, we have a series of videos where you're um, compiling your uh, carb intake from various sources, seeing what 15 looks like in real time. And we now have the uh, clarity, the distinction inspired by Luis Villasenor at ketogains.com, where he wants his adherents to uh, strive to consume 50 grams per day of gross carbohydrate intake, no messing around with net carbs and those packaged products that tout lower net carbs. Just make it simple, uh, stick to gross, except for the caveat or the exception that you don't have to count leafy greens uh, nor avocados towards your 50 gram total. And so that was a relief to, to us, especially Brian and I, when we were doing these carb counts, because it's like, if you have a big salad, and then you have some Brussels sprouts, and then you have some broccoli, and you're getting five or six or seven grams here, and seven grams there, and nine grams in the salad, just from the, the leaves and the vegetables and the onions or what have you, um, 
all of a sudden you're 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 chipping away and then you have a few squares of dark chocolate and a spoonful of almond butter and we're like wait a second how can this be how can this be possible we can't even eat any vegetables man so luis gives you that free pass to enjoy the leafy greens and the avocado and that's because the fiber content and in the case of the avocado the fat content is so high that it's not going to disturb uh, it's not going to prompt an insulin response and it's going to keep you aligned with your uh, ketogenic goals. Remember, once the insulin kicks in, uh, it's going to shut off ketone production in the liver. So that's good news, huh? So you can slam the greens, uh, put aside the starchy tubers for a while while you're doing keto. Uh, and let's bring us to the uh, the final category of watching your carb count on keto, and that would be nuts, seeds, and their derivative butters. Uh, and these can definitely get out of hand, especially because you're transitioning over from uh, high-carbohydrate ways, and you need to reach for those nuts to keep your satiety in check and keep your appetite in check so you don't backslide and burn out. Uh, but if you look at the carbohydrate count of an assortment of nuts, and I believe we have those charts in the Keto Reset Diet book, um, those can add up pretty well if you're hitting the nuts hard. And I think you could have worse problems in life than eating too many macadamia nuts or too many walnuts throughout the day. But if we want to try to uh, really get the most benefits out of our keto experiment, you can exercise a little moderation there. Same with the nut butters that are so delicious and nutritious and filling. Uh, but you're going to get eight grams here and six grams here and four grams there, uh, and that can add up. Uh, so if you're doing some planning hey, man, I'm going to allocate, like I said, I'm going to take a big chunk and devote it over to dark chocolate so I can uh, relax and not worry about it. Maybe the same thing is true for your nut snacking habits because of all the complaints that are received of people feeling the afternoon blues or the keto flu or whatever the problem is where they're just not kicking into turbocharged fat burning and ketone production and uh, noticing the telltale signs of cognitive fatigue or moodiness, just go reach for a handful of macadamia nuts and all will be well. Maybe wash that down uh, with some uh, sardines and sun-dried tomatoes. Uh, so the point is to stay satisfied and uh, pleasurable with your dietary habits. And if nuts are part of that picture, that's great. But if you can take away the spirit of the message here is that this is a little different than a blanket free pass to slam all this stuff because it's high fat and low carb. That will get you into an overeating pattern. Uh, remember uh, insight that I just... Uh, gain further respect for from hearing it repeated in context with Dr. Kate Shanahan on an upcoming podcast on the Get Over Yourself channel. She said, anything you eat will prompt an insulin response, anything, even high fat meal, even high protein meal, especially high protein meal. Protein spikes insulin as well as glucagon. That's why it's not in the same category of carbs, which spike insulin, get you uh, the insulin crash and the sugar cravings. But when you eat food, you are, by and large, not optimizing your potential for keto. So fasting, carbohydrate and calorie restriction, starvation is the true, uh, the true uh, uh, genetically uh, uh, programmed uh, response to kick into ketone production. So the better you can get at spending long periods of time without eating, even if you go uh, sort of a morning and night pattern, if you're not inclined to fast until 1 p.m., have a big breakfast, 
maybe have an early dinner like Brian McAndrew, and then your fasting comes from you know 4.30 p.m. until 10 the next morning or whatever works for you. But that is the true catalyst for the, the, uh, the biggest benefits of keto, not the constant incessant snacking of 100 calories per hour uh, of mostly fat from the, uh, the macadamia nuts or whatever's around you all day. So that was a great insight that a lot of people can appreciate is that going long periods of time without eating is super duper healthy and super uh, nurturing of your ketogenic goals. I think that's enough for one show. How does that sound? Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Remember, info at ketoreset.com to send your questions, comments, feedback, and ketoreset.com for a nice landing page with details about all the books in the franchise, The Keto Reset Diet. Uh, the Keto Reset Instant Pot Cookbook. Oh my gosh, I have two or three recipes in there that are just go-to. One of them is the, what's it called? Uh, the olive oil rosemary bread made with almond flour. The entire loaf of bread has eight grams of carbs, so it's full-on keto-friendly. I make that thing in the Instant Pot. It's super easy. It comes out great. Oh, you put a slice of butter on there and uh, heat it up for a little bit in the toaster oven or the microwave or get it fresh out of the uh, out of the instant pot. Delicioso, muy sabroso. Okay, so if you've got an instant pot, grab that book by Mark Sisson, Lindsay Taylor, Layla McGowan, and then we have uh, the Keto Reset Diet Cookbook, full scale badass recipes for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, fat bombs, the whole deal, and all that's uh, uh, detailed on this website landing page. And then, of course, the centerpiece, the greatest keto immersion education you can get online is the Keto Reset Mastery Course. And because you've listened to me for this long, I'm going to give you the top secret 20% discount, Brad20. So if you go onto the website and order up, enroll in the course, make a commitment to better your life, just type in Brad20 and you'll take 20% off the course enrollment fee. Thank you. Bye. Uh. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too per- <laughs> so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my gosh. So she likes like the mayo on a Oh yeah, she so she loves those sort of, we love them as well. We have uh we, we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo, we eat the balsamic, we eat the the ranch, um the avocado oil we use all the time. And and so, you know, that's completely genuine and I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> That's my pleasure.